Alright, sit your ass down. It's me, Jefferson, and I'm going to be talking about episode 18 of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, The Lipstack Conspiracy. And so, last time when we headed off, um, you know, there was obviously going to be a power struggle within the Empire with the rise of the new child Kaiser. Um, this episode goes into talking about the political allegiances that make up the elites um, and the people in power within the Empire. And there are those who are for the Kaiser. Um, ironically, Marquis Reinhard von Lohengram and Prince Lichtenlade. These are for, ostensibly, for the Kaiser. And then there are people who are against the Kaiser, and that's Prince Braunschweig and Marquis Littenheim. Um, but the key players in this episode are not Prince Lichtenlade and Marquis Littenheim, but are in fact Prince Braunschweig and Reinhardt. And early on in the episode, we're introduced to a new, pretty important character, Hildegard von Mariendorf, who is for the most part referred to as Hilda. Um, she's talking to her father, and her father is, like many other nobles, wanting to side with Prince Braunschweig uh, for whatever agreements that they had in the past. And also, it just seems that some people feel more comfortable with Braunschweig, especially since he had he um, and that whole alliance, the Lipstadt Alliance, as it's later called, um, have like more men. They have like twenty five point six million men lined up. Hilda says, no, Dad, nah, you're wrong. The Empire's gonna fall, but also, this Lipstadt Alliance doesn't have, like, really any, like, coherence. Um, Braunschweig is not a military man. He's not a good commander, unlike uh, Lohengram, who is a good commander, and who is capable, and whose men actually listen to him. And this is kind of like what a lot of nobles who are citing, um, with Brian Schweig have a lot of problems with. It's just like, yeah, we don't really like this new Kaiser because he's a child who's just going to be manipulated by, like, you and some other people and you're all this capable stuff, whatever. But Hilda actually takes control of the family. Her father says, you know what? I'm just going to let you take charge because you seem to know what you're doing. <laughs> and she's just like, yes, thank you, Daddy. Um, but what's cool is that when we're introduced to her... Um, she's at a party, but then, like, it goes into, like, a, um, a little back, like, what is it called? It goes into a flashback, In the flashbacks, and there's her just sitting by this caged bird, and you can really just sort of see that Hilda isn't some, I wonder if they're really trying to just be like, is Hilda, like, a caged bird? Um, you know, a caged canary. The thing about canaries is, you put, they used to put them in the mines, and that is, if, like, there's going to be, like, CO2 or whatever poison in the air. Like, the canaries would die, and when the canaries would die, you could see what was up. Um, in this case, the canary is very much alive, or whatever type of bird that is. But there is, like, a caged bird. And I think what's interesting about caged birds is that caged birds also have an opportunity to study. Um, this is kind of, like, an interesting thing that I've heard some people talk about. It's just sort of like, you know, sequestration blows, you know? You're being caged up. But, because you're caged up, you can see things differently. 
You can see the world differently, and you have a lot of time on your hands to just watch and read and observe. And it looks like Kilda, as a caged bird, I think I would probably venture to say she's sort of caged by her family because she's in the subordinate position towards her father. But then her father kind of comes in on this sentiment of, well, it's time to let the young people who are capable and can catch on to the ways of the world um, take lead. You know, that's a... I, I question that. I question that sentiment a lot because that's like the same things that they use to get in young people these days. And I really just sort of think it's a certain type of young person that they target with that. But I mean, whatever faith I hold in that sentiment, that's an aside. And perhaps I think in criticism that you could potentially wage against the series but um Hilda takes all of this confidence that she had per- used um because in that conversation she was just like making a sales pitch she's like here's my arguments for us making this move to side with Reinhardt because Reinhardt is good he's going to win this conflict um he's like a really capable military man and she goes and she tells Reinhardt you know I want to side with y'all when this civil war is going to come, um, we're going to be on your side, right? And like have some documentation. Reinhardt is sort of taken aback because she like greases his wheels. And she's just sort of like, yeah, you're going to win. You know what you're doing? <laughs> and Reinhardt is just like, like right before she came in to like do the deal, he was just like, you know, look at all these nobles. They suck. <laughs> None of them are capable and then she comes in, she gives her sales pitch, and she shows that it's like, hey, I recognize that too. I can see the same vision of a future. Well, I mean, I'm like same vision of the future, but yeah, I can sort of see like the coming tides. And that's a lot of the theme of this episode is really just sort of like there's that one moment of let the young people take control that we can see, but also just sort of like the notion of um, a sort of zeitgeist, the feeling in the air of a coming change that um, that Reinhardt really just sort of represents. And now I kind of want to go back, going back to the episode, I would have to say that Braunschweig's character is fairly interesting. Because um, when we go over to his camp after um, like all of this politicking, we see him politicking and in contrast to Reinhardt, it's like very absurd because in some senses, he wants to take on the um, mask of a reformer like um, Reinhardt because he does like proudly say it's like we stood up to the golden bomb dynasty. Odin is on our side um, and that is Odin, their god. And he has like this strange self-righteous attitude and he shows that he's willing to sacrifice the nobles who signed up with him and taken the political alliance with him and um um with him and Littenheim and while he sits around and like comfortably drinks wine and what's crazy is he says that to Admiral Merkatz Admiral Merkatz is the real reason why Braunschweig and Littentime's little Lipstadt alliance and their little conspiracy can have any shot of winning. 
Like, like that's kind of like the thorn in Lohengram's side because they have this conversation or they're just sort of like, damn, they got Meerkats. He's popular and he makes good decisions. And then Meerkats, we see him talking to Braunschweig and Meerkats is like, you know, we probably shouldn't fight this. <laughs> and Braunschweig's just like, nah, I can sacrifice a couple of people. Our cause is noble. When he's, like, clearly being an opportunist here, seizing upon a moment of discontented nobles and manipulating them in order to have some form of political gain. Meanwhile, you see Hilda and you see Reinhardt coming up from the lower classes just sort of being like, you know, this empire's probably gonna fall someday. And the whole notion of this um, ad hoc assemblages of a small number of families controlling these masses and determining all these wars for personal gain doesn't make a lot of sense. And in the coming days, we're going to, you know, need some people who aren't going to fight these wars. But, um, yeah. Like, what's absurd is that Braunschweig even threatens Meerkats, and Meerkats, this immediately signals to him that he can't trust this man, and that even though um, Braunschweig promises to give him full authority when it comes to the battle, Meerkats can see that, hey, um, it, he's gonna interfere, and we're gonna lose. And the rest of the episode, like, all that is a lot of Braunschweig beginning to lose because then he moves on to talking to some other subordinates one subordinate suggests that they kill um reinhardt and he on his own decides to just go and do that takes up some troops goes over to um reinhardt's estate and there they're just sort of like yeah assassinate reinhardt and take his sister hostage um and he wants to do that so that he can end and stop whatever political struggle is going to happen because he's just sort of like, you know, we probably shouldn't just like let a bunch of civilians die for our petty squabbles here. And, um, ironically he and some other people leave their camp and it's like, just as Hilda had said earlier, the, the Lipstadt Alliance, the Breinschweig and Littenheim, um, ad hoc assemblage, is going to fail because this person is not a leader who's disciplined, who actually cares about the people beneath him. After this assassination operation goes under, uh, Braunschweig and Littenheim escape. And they escape using a shield of civilian ships packed with civilians um, to Geiersberg Fortress, where they will consolidate their forces and prepare for, like, one big battle between them and uh, Reinhardt. And the year all of this is taking place in is Space Era 797. But if we're going to go by uh, Rudolph's calendar, it's Imperial Year 488. Hey, you know, and then there goes that 500 year dynasty yeah a lot of this episode was 
really what I was talking about. Like, 16 minutes of it was the whole, um, here is all the planned allegiances, and then here is how this one allegiance is clearly going to fail. And we know Reinhardt is probably going to win. Though he can't underestimate Meerkats, you know, you gotta have some dramatic conflict. You gotta put some thorn in their side in order for his accession to the throne to make, to be a little bit more exciting. Yeah, that's the right word, to be more exciting. Anyways, that's episode 18 of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Thank you for listening. This is Jefferson signing off.